11 pounds. Treading water that they drown. I head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Smash Accept podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Dad FF. And John Mung, we have a fantastic guest today. We've had this one circled on our calendar for quite some time. I know the listeners have as well. You know, we have uh, some, some Dynasty royalty with us tonight. But before we introduce him, what do you guys have going on, John? It's two weeks in a row. I'm so glad to see you on again this week. What's good? Uh, it's, it, I'm, I've been so pumped about it. Tonight's show, for sure, with the guests we have. I, I think we're we're 36 days out from the NFL draft. Who's counting, Ooh. though? Uh, yeah, we got pro days, got free agency, still got March Madness. I love this time of year. For me, this is the upcoming draft season. I know a lot of other people say it's in August. For me, it's May after the NFL draft and all my rookie drafts. And so, you know, I got the rookie fever. So uh, looking forward to mixing it up with the crew here on the Smash Accept pod tonight. Yeah, this is the time of the year, you know, where we talk about some of our, our leagues where they're not quite as active in January, February, you know, early March, not a lot going on. And then we get closer to April and then everyone's like, hey, end of the month, we're going to have that rookie draft. And we've been having a great content, great people on talking about rookies. Today, we're going to talk about free agents. Mung, um, how you been, man? Everything looking good over there in Chicago? We got the sirens off now, but what's going on with you? and What do you have going on? Yeah, I'm uh, feeling good right now. I just had some cauliflower pizza for dinner, so uh, that was pretty yummy. It's uh, almost NFL draft time, but it's also almost beach season, so got to get ready for that too. And then fantasy-wise, uh, I actually just finished an article on Deshaun Watson talking about that whole situation. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit tonight, but I've got that dropping tomorrow over at Fantrax, so get excited for that. I can get excited for for that. I can get excited for tonight's pod, but I can't get excited for cauliflower pizza, man. I mean, that's just I don't want that up in my crust. So tonight's guest, you know, you guys all know him. He's the we're, we have a Godfather type theme because he's the Godfather of Dynasty, the co-owner over at DLF. Basically, on every podcast, you know, the man when it comes to the Dynasty industry, Ryan McDowell. Thank you so much for being on tonight. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. I, I think I'm with the right guys tonight. I've got my kids coming in before we even start the show. So yeah, I'm, I'm in good company tonight. You're in the right we place. almost had a Grayson appearance. Hey, that would have been fantastic. You know, <laughs> we're, we're a bunch of dads on here and we totally get that. And, and tonight's podcast is going to be a little bit, you know, it's going to be Godfather themed. Everybody's doing fan, free agents. We're talking about things because we're right in the middle of it. And we're just so excited to have you on there. But I know it's not a, a uh, nickname that you've created, but a lot of people call you, you know, the, the godfather of Dynasty, you know, and and you're just, you do so many great things in the community. Why don't you tell us some of the things that are going on? I mean, I know Scott Fishbowl's around the corner, if there's anything going on there, and what you have going on at DLF. Yeah, there, there's a ton going on. I, I you know, I re- think back to December, early January, kind of honestly looking forward to the season wrapping up and just a little bit of of downtime, some time to breathe. I was writing, uh, you know, multiple articles like, like we all are doing multiple articles, multiple pods every week, and was just kind of looking forward to, 
to that break and it has not happened. It has ramped up for me and, and probably for so many others as well. We, there really is no off season. I know that's kind of the, the catchphrase for us, but it, it really is true. Uh, and, and you're totally right, Mike. Uh, Scott Fishbowl will be here before you know it. We're, uh, we're, we're just over a hundred days out from that, I believe. So, um, John's counting down to the NFL draft. I am as well, but we're counting down to SFB also. Um, and then we've, you know, we've always got big things going on at DLF. We recently released our, our first ever dynasty draft guide. Uh, that sucker is over 130 pages. It's free for our subscribers. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, jump in. It's not too late to become a subscriber and, and get a copy of that as well. I love it. I mean, you talked about it and, and John and I've been talking about this off air. I mean, you know, there's so many responsibilities that we have outside of things and that this is the time of year. We, we all told ourselves, right? Like we're like, well, we got a little bit of downtime here. We all know there's no such thing. But how do you handle the grind of that and, and not getting that burnout? You know, I feel like there's always some time where even in, you know, in the dynasty community and with all the work that you're doing, what do you do to keep things fresh? I mean, you're always coming up with new innovations of, of different leagues and different settings and all kinds of just super creative things that, that we all know and love. Yeah, well, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to avoid the burnout, um, you know, and I would I would say I don't always avoid it. I don't think you can. You know, you feel that sometimes where you just need to, to step away and and take, take a day or two off uh, away from Twitter or away from leagues, away from – uh, writing or podcasting, whatever it might be. Um, I don't know. I've been lucky that those days are, are pretty few and far between. I mean, I really do. I, I love Dynasty. I love playing it. I love uh, writing about it, uh, podcasting, everything, you know, just anything related to Dynasty fantasy football. I, I, I love it. So um, it hasn't really been uh, the, the burnout piece hasn't really been a huge issue for me. Uh, I mean, I, I am a teacher in my day job, so I work you know, I work a full-time job and, and come home at uh, four or five, three, four or five, whatever, depending on how the day goes, you know, and uh, and then pretty much go to work on, on the next full-time job. And um, it, it's fantasy football, it's DLF or podcast or whatever, uh, basically until I crash for the night. So it, it's tough to manage. Uh, but again, it, it just goes back to it being a, a major passion of mine. Yeah. And I mean, we, we all look up to you and, and everything that you do there. Um, what you were talking about is, is basically with everything that we have going on, you know, what's something as a podcast, you know, I mean, with Scott Fishbowl and, and things like last year, you know, I was super um, fortunate to be in fantasy cares with, with John Bosch did one of the eliminators. So it was two leagues of the, the dynasty dad eliminators and buying the t-shirts yeah. and things like that. But what are some things, talk a little bit about the Scott Fishbowl side of it. And then us as like, you know, our listeners or us as podcasters, what are some things that we can do to give back to the community? I mean, you have more on your plate than pretty much any of us, and you're always willing to to give advice and jump on podcasts. And we love that about you. I mean, it's just something that how can we pay it forward? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, you know, I would say, first of all, support the Scott Fishbowl um, and, and whatever that looks like. Uh, I'm, I'm honestly not even sure. I know Scott kind of went in a different direction with it last year as far as um, donations and and the charity piece of it, uh, just because of everything that was going on uh, in in the country and in the world. Um, I'm not sure what his plan is this year, but 
you know, when it when it comes to that aspect of things, I trust Scott 100 percent. So if he's telling me to support, um, you know, a a certain group or or a certain, uh, you know, idea, I'm I'm probably going to do it. I'm probably on board with that. And and I would suggest everybody else be as well. Um, Other than that, I, I think just, you know, just really be be that active and positive member of the community. There's, I mean, Twitter can be, you know, it can be an ugly place, right? Um, And really not just Twitter, but whatever your community is, if it's a message board or if it's Reddit or, um, you know, wherever your fantasy community is, uh, can be, can be ugly, can be gross. So just, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, be that positive, uh, positive piece in it. And I think that that goes a long way. Yeah, that's that's what we try to do at Smash, except, you know, we try to be as interactive as possible. We're all talking about positivity. I mean, you're right. This in today's world and and not just Twitter, but in the world in general. I mean, we all need more positivity and that keeps things going. Um, John, it's Godfather time, you know, and, and we talk a little bit about where we you know kind of came up with this and that we're going to let you start out with the first question then. Yeah, so we got some of the most famous quotes from the Godfather trilogy here in honor of Ryan McDowell, the godfather of Dynasty Fantasy Football. <laughs> and we got to start with the most famous quote, right, Ryan? I'm going to I'm going to do a little bit of an impression here. We're dad, so of course we got to go a little over the top, but it's of course we're going to make him an offer he can't refuse. <laughs> and so the question to you is, following free agency, who's a player that you're making offers on right now. And the follow-up question to this is, if the other guy declines your offer, will they find a dead horse head the following morning? <laughs> the impression was pretty good there. That's pretty good. Uh, I'm glad you just me to yeah. do that. Part of the mirror, he, yeah, yeah. He even did the facial expressions. I mean, you Tried. know, we, we do it a lot where our kids harass us and they watch it afterwards and they're like, dad, seriously? But, yeah. you know, that was, yeah. that was fantastic, man. You nailed it. He did. That was good. You know, I, I've I've kind of found myself in these past few days after free agency really kicked off, and you know, there's there's a few names out there, but for the most part, free agency's kind of kind of over. Um, but I found myself really really bargain shopping because there there are a few guys who uh, I think landed in nice situations where I would expect their value to increase, whether it's trade value, ADP, uh, however you want to look at that, and. Uh, I've seen it. I've seen, uh, you know, some slight changes, but not to the level that, um, that I expected. So Ryan Fitzpatrick is, is the one that stands out to me. And I mean, I know, I know the age, I know he may be a one-year rental, but uh, anybody that age, we're basically thinking about in, in that, uh, in that frame. So I, I love the landing spot in Washington. I love being paired with, with Terry McLaurin. Obviously they added, Curtis Samuel as well. Um, we'll we'll see what they do in the draft, but I mean this is this is his team at least for 2021, and uh, I think if you're in a super flex league, he's a, he's a great trade target right now. Uh, obviously, like I said, his his value has increased from what it was a couple weeks ago when we weren't even sure if he was going to. Uh, honestly, we weren't even sure if he was going to play. Right there were some even some retirement rumors out there. Uh, but he he's one player I would be targeting. Kind of the same thing with Jameis Winston, uh, and that's that's been a kind of a weird story um, with the the contract and the Taysom Hill contract, and they're competing for a job. 
ultimately, I think Winston wins that job. I think his he's undervalued at where we're seeing him right now and in, in some trades, checking out the uh, Dynasty Trade Finder over at DLF. Pretty cheap to acquire him. And um, some wide receivers, John Brown, Corey Davis, like the landing spot for both of those guys, could see both of those being the wide receiver ones for their team. And their their price hasn't changed enough, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, historically, when a guy joins a new team or we get that fresh perspective – they usually get a bump up in value, like you're saying, and and we're not seeing that big bump in value. You know, I think people are were were waiting to see where some of the other free agents went and, and things. You know how shook how things shook out. Mung, I know you've been kind of having your pulse there on on everything. Who are those guys for you right now that just seem like those are the guys you've got to have? Yeah, and I, I'm not personally quite as high on Fitzpatrick or Winston, just because I do think that you know guys like Taylor Heineke and Taysom Hill are going to get a few spots here and there. So we'll see what happens there. But I agree with Ryan in terms of bargain hunting right now. There aren't any free agent signings that I absolutely love, love. So I'm targeting, you know, those cheap guys who free agency hasn't impacted like we thought they could have. Guys like Jeff Wilson Jr. in San Francisco, right? Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. I know he's been left for dead in so many dynasty leagues after people overdrafted him last offseason. Uh, even guys like Melvin Gordon, who, you know, not a very sexy name, but Philip Lindsay's gone. I'm not sure how much work we're expecting Mike Boone to get, but these are some cheap options that you can probably grab for late seconds, maybe even less in some leagues. I like it. I like it. Talking about another onto our next, you know, famous quote. And I can't I can't do it like John, but it's just <laughs> just when just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in, right? Kenny Galladay signs with the Giants. And the Looking at it from the Daniel Jones perspective, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, right? You know, he was the guy that when he came out as a rookie, you know, we were getting him late first, early second sometimes in super flex drafts, and he's kind of pushed himself up. And then we tried to catapult him up and, and try to put him up higher in our rankings. You know, I think everybody was really ready for that next big step. And then he had a dud. You know, I took him, I got my Scott Fishbowl shirt on. I took him fairly early in that, you know, like fourth, fifth round, trying to get that quarterback with some upside. And, uh, are we in on this Giants offense, Ryan? I mean, are we in on Daniel Jones taking another the next step with a healthy Saquon Barkley, with Kenny Galladay now? There are some of the, the other weapons. Talk to us a little bit about this Giants offense and if, if our listeners should be buying. Yeah, I was right there with you in SFB. I had Daniel Jones as well, and uh, I took him in, in a couple of dynasty startups. You know, we were all quarantining this time last year, and uh, if you guys are anything like me, you joined way too many dynasty leagues because of that. Um, and I think I ended up with Daniel Jones in way too many of them. You know, I, I had to look back. His March ADP, uh, March 2020, one year ago, he was the quarterback 11. So he was – and I remember um, making the decision myself and I and seeing others make that comparison, Daniel Jones versus Josh Allen. Like which one of those guys is going to make that leap? And honestly, in drafts, I was just alternating. Sometimes I would take Allen, sometimes I would take Jones. And you can imagine how those how those two decisions worked out. Um, as far as am I in on the Giants right now, this year with these with these changes, obviously Galladay being the big one. I think I'm in at, at the cost, right? I mean, Galladay, we've seen his value go down. Galladay was a top uh, top 18 wide receiver, according to DLF ADP for two straight years. And now he's uh, down in that low end wide uh, 
uh, wide receiver two range. I believe he's wide receiver 23 right now. So he, he was already being discounted just because of the injury, because of the unknown situation. I don't think his value jumps very much at this point uh, with this landing spot. And, and honestly, I could see it uh, dropping even more. We'll, we'll always see those rookies gain value. So as, as some of the, uh, the, the mid-range rookie wide receivers start moving up and gaining value, we could see Galladay even fall outside of the top 25 or maybe even top 30 wide receivers, honestly. So I, I like him as a trade target. Daniel Jones, quarterback 23. Again, I said he was quarterback 11 this time last year. So yeah, I'm buying at quarterback 23. Sure, I think that's that's worth the investment, especially if it's that super flex league where it's so difficult to buy quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks. I would be taking a chance on him. And, and the other player who's really seen that value fall is Evan Ingram. Tied in five one year ago, tied in 11 this year. Honestly, of those three guys, he's probably the one I'm least confident in as far as uh, rebounding and, and kind of becoming, uh, it, you know, becoming an elite asset or, or regaining that value to where he was a year ago. But still, that's that's the range where I think it makes sense to buy all three of those guys. Yeah, I mean, when I you and I first talked last year was the week after we did the Scott Fishbowl draft, and you and I both yeah. had Daniel Jones, and we were both glowing about him. And I don't even want to uh, go back and listen to what we were saying because it was it was you know it was it was pretty positive. You know, we were looking for that guy with high upside. You know, in the format um, this year, you know what you've been talking about as far as superflex drafts go. You know, we've had two smash accept superflex leagues in the fourteen team listener leagues you know it's, it's a different type of challenge and daniel jones has been a guy that's been falling in all of them you know we, mm -hmm. we talk about um a lot of things that happen right now in those 14 team leagues is it's dominated by quarterbacks in that first round and, and dominated in that second round and then there's that gap there for a couple rounds you know where there's only a guy here or there and daniel jones still has that upside um john mung talk to me a little bit about the giants i mean do we like the kenny galladay signing are you guys back in on Daniel Jones? Yeah. I think I've been the most bullish on him because I really, sometimes you get excited about a guy and then we have that mm -hmm. post hype sleeper, right? We thought he was going to make that jump. He never right. did, but you know, we thought they lost Saquon Barkley early. The weapons weren't that great. Are we in yeah. a situation where we should go buy Daniel Jones? I, you know, I, I was going to start by squeezing in a comment on Saquon Barkley. I actually really like this for him. And yes, of course his value is still a little bit higher, but there's an argument that this is about the best value you're going to be able to get on Saquon Barkley following the two injuries out of sight, out of mind. I th I'm convinced now that the Giants will be able to move the ball with the additional weapons, especially with a couple of downfield threats with Kenny Galladay and maybe John Ross still has a little life in him. And so what that means to me is probably more work for Saquon in the, the red zone goal to go. And you could see pretty nice touchdowns. So I guess that the, it's going to come down to how risky you want to go with the injury history recently. But for me, I think you got to put Saquon back into top three dynasty running back range. And so that's one thing I was going to throw in there. Um, I, I, I'm with Ryan on Kenny G. Uh, you know, I think he's still going to be playing some sweet, sweet music for us on, on the sacks there. But I, I don't, I, know, I don't know every that time it's, I hear Kenny G, you got to think of it. You got, yeah. I, but I do think he's, he's probably no more value than he was in Detroit. My opinion. Um, I do think he's going to get his and have some good weeks, but uh, I'm probably not buying tickets to the next Kenny G concert. 
<laughs> now, Galladay has become a bit of a value in startups. So, I mean, he's growing rounds eight, nine, ten yeah, from now, what I've seen. And, and that's I'm a fantastic that. sure. wide in that range of wide receiver three that has wide receiver one upside. You know, I mean, two years ago, we were talking about, you know, he was borderline. He was fringe top 12. You know, we had him in that same area. I believe he finished as maybe wide receiver nine, wide receiver 10, like in points per game um, two years ago. So, Mung. I know I, we talk about the Giants, and you never get too excited about them. But are there some guys here that you would be would be buying? We talked about Daniel Jones. What about Evan Ingram? You know, he's like like Ryan said, he was tight end five. I just got him in Smash Except Two as the tight end fourteen. Yeah, I don't have any feelings, any strong feelings either way on a lot of these guys. I think Barkley is still a top three dynasty running back, like John said. Uh, my hesitance with Daniel Jones is, and I actually tweeted out uh, earlier this afternoon, that Jones was actually seventh uh, in deep ball completion percentage last year. So surprisingly good. But the problem is his offensive line just doesn't really allow him a ton of those opportunities to hit those deep shots. And the Giants have really done nothing so far in free agency to address the offensive line. So that's my concern with Daniel Jones. And then I'm probably a little bit lower on Ingram as well because one of the reasons we were excited about him way back when, it feels like 10 years ago now, was because Eli Manning was checking it down to him every other play, it seemed like. And then after Odell Beckham left, we thought maybe that target volume would go up. But now with Galladay there, with Barkley there, I just don't see a ton left over for Ingram. I think he'll be fine, but I don't think he has that elite tight end upside that we once you know, perhaps expected him to have. I love it. You know, when you talk about Giants players, we talk about breaking people's hearts, you know, and, and John, I know that kind of elicits some responses there with you. Yeah, let's go for the next quote here. And this one is from my boy, Dave Kluge. I hope no one gets kludged on this one. All right. <laughs> oh, <we're... laughs> I, I know, I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. You broke my heart. <laughs> That's the famous scene there. And so, the, the, the question to you, Ryan, who is your Fredo? Who broke your heart in free agency with landing spots? And who are you going to have to ultimately take out on a boat and shoot as the godfather? Oh, man. This this one's a tough one. This one hurts. Uh, my guy, Juju. I, I oh, was ready. I yeah. was ready for him to move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, get, get out of that um, that crowded, get away from that crowded depth chart get away from that declining quarterback. Um, and then, you know, we know, we know what happens. He settles for the one year deal. He's back. Mm-hmm. He takes the pay cut. Like nothing feels good about that from a dynasty or fantasy perspective. Um, if we're looking for some silver lining, it is just the one year deal. He can run it back next year, but it's hard to see him gaining value uh, he, either from a dynasty perspective or, or an NFL, you know, free agent perspective over this coming season. Um, and, and then to hear that, that the Ravens were interested and the chiefs were interested that yeah. just, you know, that's just salt in the wound. So right. I, I'm, I'm certainly not ready to give up on him. Still love Juju. One of my favorite players in the league and, mm-hmm. and one of my favorite players to have on, on dynasty rosters. But this was, this was a, a disappointing uh, free agency period for him. Definitely. Yeah, it wasn't so long ago we were talking about, I mean, is Juju with another good year going to be the dynasty wide receiver one? I mean, he was yeah. he was in that conversation. And then we get to the offseason, and we're almost rooting that he goes to a team like the Jets or the Raiders, which 
aren't super exciting, but I mean, you're going to get a lot more targets. Um, for me, I was buying Deontay Johnson everywhere because Deontay Johnson, you know, had a low key top notch fantasy season and, and we were seeing a possible uptick in targets for him for Claypool. So, I mean, it just kind of ruins all of our days there when it comes to that situation. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot of people were buying Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool thinking, you know, Juju and these, these, I think he had 97 receptions, right. And, and, or, or maybe that was targets. I, I can't remember, but um, you know, this, this volume that Juju saw is going to be gone. So Deontay's taking the next step. Chase Claypool's taking the next step. And from a dynasty standpoint, I still want to buy all three of these guys because uh, I, I, I do still believe, and I mean, I've been saying it for the last year and, and obviously was wrong that the Juju would be gone, but I still think this time next year he's gone. And I think so. You know, some, yeah, sometimes you have to play a little more long term. So mm-hmm. buying Deontay Johnson, buying Chase Claypool right now, uh, knowing that they'll be the top two options 2022 and, and forward, uh, I, I think makes some sense. And, you know, it's not like they're, I mean, those guys are, are no slouches for this season either. Yeah, it seemed like the writing was the wall on the wall there that Juju was leaving, and we kind of preemptively did that. And early startup season, we kind of do those kind of things, right? But there's oh, been yeah. no, you know, no better example of of that cautionary tale than Aaron Jones going back to Green Bay. I mean, A.J. Dillon's ADP just kept rising and rising and rising, and to a point where, you know, in, in Smash Except Listener League 1, I believe he went fifth round, you know, fifth, sixth round, where you're really giving up some top-notch talent there. And then Green Bay does typical Green Bay thing after one of the worst drafts we've ever seen, right? You know, we first-round pick doesn't play, second-round pick, okay, he's going to take over, and then we re-sign Aaron Jones. Um Talk to me a, a little bit about what you think in that situation. I mean, Aaron Jones was fantastic, you know, before A.J. Dillon. Do you see a little bit more of a timeshare there? And and how do you see this whole thing shaking out? Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, to me, there's some kind of some pros and cons with Aaron Jones. I, I, I don't see many landing spots he could have had where he would have been in a better uh, offensive situation. So in that way, returning to Green Bay, I think, is a good thing. Um, Jamal Williams is gone. So to me, that means more targets for Aaron Jones, uh, especially, you know, they still haven't addressed this wide receiver two situation. We'll see what they do in the draft, but I'm, I'm done assuming that they're going to fix that. Uh, so I, I think the targets will increase, but I think that the touchdown, the goal line work has to decrease, right? They have to give, um, a, some of that, maybe a lot of that to AJ Dillon. So, there'll be a little balance there in PPR leagues that he's, he's gaining targets and losing, uh, losing red zone reps. For a dynasty perspective, it would have been, it would have fixed all of our lives. If, if Aaron Jones would have been able to go to San Francisco and Juju would have went to green Bay. I mean, that, that oh. we can get excited about, yes. you know what I mean? Those are, those oh. are the kind of scenarios. Wow. Yes. We, we, Please. we get so excited and we want people to go places and then they don't. And then it kind of shoots us down in those situations. John and Mung, I mean, who are the guys that really mm. have, have have done that to you guys in this off season that you really wanted to see them go somewhere else, or you really wanted to see them stay with the team they did, but they ended up walking. Well, I, you know, I, I admittedly did have some shares of AJ Dillon that I was really hoping were about to pop. And, and so you know, that was a little bit tough to see, uh, but actually I'll talk about Jamal Williams here for a moment. The other guy that left green Bay and is now in Detroit. I actually like him as a bargain buy right now. And the reason for that is because Swift, we know, is going to get all the love. Supreme athlete, there's no denying that. But 
if you just look at the the current staff there and, and look at what Detroit is likely going to need to be doing, it's running the ball. And I think that Jamal Williams is, might surprise some people with the workload. Obviously, we're not getting too excited here, but maybe as a flex play, maybe Swift goes down again. Kind of an interesting bargain buy back to kind of Ryan's point right now. Go out there and look for some some cheap options like there at a at a at a position where you need some depth. Yeah, I'm glad you, you brought think, that up. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, Jamal Williams, we, we got to remember two years ago was helping people win fantasy championships because no he had a great stretch there from weeks 14 to 16 where he balled out. And he's when given the opportunity, you know, he's looked good. He's looked more than adequate. I mean, I feel like he's he goes into a good situation there. Mung, what do you think about Jamal Williams and who's your guy that, you know, kind of broke your heart a little bit this offseason? Yeah, I think Williams is fine. He plays a similar role that he did in Green Bay, right? I think he's going to suck away some value from Swift uh, while not necessarily being reliable week to week on his own. Uh, but I think if you're talking about guys that you have to shoot out on a boat, it's got to be Josh Jacobs. I mean, they completely shuffled that offensive line. Uh, they brought in Kenyon Drake, and then they had the gall to re-sign Theo Riddick on top of that. So, I mean, there's just no upside for receptions for Brutal. him. And, you know, maybe the offensive line, maybe Gruden knows what he's doing, but it's going to take at least a few weeks for that line to really gel. And I just don't see, you know, really anything to like about Jacobs now. Now, and, and Jacobs, just like a guy we're going to talk about here, you know, that our next quote is, he's still alive. You know, they hit him with five shots and he's still alive. We're going to take that to actually 16 shots. Deshaun Watson has now been hit with 16 shots. Is he still alive, Ryan? I mean, what are we doing with Deshaun Watson? Everyone's asking. I'm getting, you know, Dynasty Dad, what's going on? What should I do with Deshaun Watson? I'm a contender. I mean, is he even going to play in 2021? I mean, we're hearing a lot of the you know, major beat writers in Houston talking about that. Yeah, 16 shots. You know, we're not, we're not going to talk about gun control or anything like that right now, but let's talk about Deshaun Watson. Oh, man. It's it's a tough topic, obviously, for, for a lot of reasons. And, um, I mean, when, when things like this, uh, you know, pop up, obviously you hate – you just hate to even think about these types of stories. Um uh, partially because we're still thinking fantasy football, right? Or, or we're thinking NFL when really there's uh, a lot more uh, important things going on here. But we're here to talk dynasty, so that's what we'll do. I think as of right now, knowing what we know, and I don't think we know a lot, I think he's a hold in dynasty. I would not be buying – if I'm in a draft right now, I'm not taking him in the top five um, – if, if it gets to late first and he's still there, second round and he's still there of a super flex, uh, it, it would be tough to pass on him. Again, knowing what we know right now. But as far as, as panic selling, I'm not doing that. I've got him in, in a few leagues and, and I'm just kind of holding on to him and, and waiting to see what happens, waiting to see how this plays out. Um, just, I mean, the sheer volume of, um, Lawsuits filed against him and, and uh, you know, accusations, I guess, is pretty staggering. Um, you know, when, when one or two pops up with everything else that's been going on, you kind of, you know, you, you kind of question that, which you hate to do. But it, it seemed a little weird timing wise. But when it's 16, that has to get our attention. Um, looking at the, again, at the Dynasty Trade Finder, people are 
panic selling, I think. Um, these are all super flex trades. Deshaun Watson for the 1.07. We see a lot of those uh, anywhere from uh, mid first rookie pick down. Uh, I've, I've, there's some on here that are that are even cheaper than that as far as like the 111, 110. Uh, Deshaun wow. Watson for Jared Goff and David Montgomery is a recent trade. These are all just trades from uh, from the past two days. So this is kind of kind of what's going on. Watson for Tannehill, 111 and 112. Uh, you know, that's probably a little more reasonable exit if, if you're worried about what's happening. I love the late first of Superflex rookie drafts this year. So you're talking about um, three pretty valuable players there. Uh, but in general, most of these are, are pretty rough. Derek Carr in the 111, uh, Tua and two second rounders. There's there's some bad ones on there. Yeah, and, and we talk well, about this on the podcast all the time about loading up on your quarterbacks. You know, you can't leave yeah. a super flex startup with with one, two quarterbacks. You need to get that that volume out there for situations like this. And I want to I want to put this out there. I was not making anything light about this situation. I mean, it is a very serious situation of what's you know these these allegations and everything like that. You know, that was just trying to. We're having a little bit of fun with the show, but that part there is it, it sickens me. You know, having a daughter myself. I mean, these kind of allegations drive me nuts. Mung, um, what are you seeing out there? And 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 you know, obviously Ryan's talked about some of the trades that are out there. What I know you had an article just come out about Deshaun Watson. I mean, why don't you tell us a little bit about that and some of these, you know, things that you've been seeing recently? Yeah, and I'll try to keep it fairly short. I'm not going to you know, read you guys my whole article here, but uh, I think Ryan, you know, made some good points. I did use the DLF trade finder tool. Um, awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, if you guys don't subscribe to DLF, it's 100% worth the money. That's just one of the many tools they've got on there, but you know, the trades that he mentioned, those are all steals to me for Deshaun Watson. Because, and before we get into this, you know, I mentioned this at the very beginning of my article too, right? We have to try and divorce the emotional, you know, human part of this story from the fantasy valid. Because no one's saying that if he did do these things, that's okay. We're talking purely here, you know, you need to make a decision, right, in dynasty fantasy football here. And for me, I'm probably even more aggressive than Ryan right now. Uh, certainly don't panic sell, but I do think that I'm going out of my way to acquire him, at least for these prices. Uh, I did a whole deep dive on, you know, the NFL's track record when it comes to punishments and suspensions dealing with major off-field incidents in recent history. And there's just very few where you see any suspensions that last more than six games, maybe a year at most. I mean, barring anything else, anything else coming to light, Given what we know right now, I don't see Watson being suspended for longer than one year max. So to me, that makes him a buy in my eyes if you can get him for relatively cheap. And again, you know, you understand that there's going to be risk associated. Could he never play a down of football again? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, look at that whole situation. But, you know, I think there are enough differences there where I am cautiously optimistic on Watson. And like I said, the article is coming out tomorrow, so I'll list all of my reasons there, and you know, kind of go deeper into it. Hey, Mike, I got, I got one. I was going to jump in here and with the strategy oh, here. So, certainly, be shopping for Deshaun Watson if you're any re in rebuild type formats. But here's my suggestion: go out and get in the safe league that Ryan here runs, and do a first year punt and build around Deshaun Watson. If he does miss games, let's say he's suspended for the whole year, great. 
it, it perfectly fits your strategy because in those safe leagues, the potential points will vault you up the rookie draft order for the following year. So you could potentially tank, end up with the 101 next year, and imagine now you're you're going into 2022 with Deshaun Watson and you know top quarterback in the draft. That's a beautiful team that you got going there in in one year. And so um, I. I I was just going to kick that around as a strategy to, to build around Deshaun Watson in the news right now. Yeah. Ryan, can you talk to us a little bit about the safe leagues and, and this, you know, progress or productive struggle or year one punt. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that was something that you, you really coined and, and put out there and so many people do. Um, so talk to us a little bit about the safe leagues and, and, you know, maybe a little bit about what John just said. Sure. Um, yeah, the safe leagues, we have actually not not quite kicked off those new startup leagues yet. Um, still filling some orphans and, and some um, uh, making sure all the existing leagues are, are taken care of and handled. But those new leagues will be will be starting soon. And um, they're basically all we've talked a lot of super flex here tonight. Basically, every new league that that we open and that Scott opens at safe leagues is a super flex league. That's because we can't fill the one quarterback leagues. That's how, uh, that's how the super flex format has grown. Um, and it's, you know, it's honestly, I guess hurt. We could say we could, uh, it's hurt the one quarterback league or, or kind of that traditional format. So, um, it, the super flex has almost become kind of the default format, which, which I like to see. Um, as far as productive struggle, yeah, I mean, I think John nailed it. That's that's a great idea uh, as to target him. And uh, whether you are in a new league and, and doing that or if you're ready to, to tear down a team right now and, and rebuild it, um, productive struggle doesn't doesn't have to be a year one situation. Um, and, and I like Mung's idea as far as targeting and trading for Watson. The only thing I would say is if it is that year-long suspension coming, the price is going to continue to drop. Um, so trading for him now versus trading for him in, in six weeks or two months when you know when more news is out, of course, there's a risk there. I mean, these could all be thrown out and, and be proven false or whatever, and, and then he's back to an elite asset. I mean, we kind of had uh, different situations, but we kind of did this with Tyreek Hill a couple of years ago that everybody – uh, assumed he was guilty of, of what he was being accused of. And, you know, honestly, for good reason. Um, but um, that was proven in the courts to be false, I guess, or, or, or by the, the word of the law. I don't, I don't know. It, anyway, it was, it was thrown out and, um, and we saw his value. Uh, He's a wide receiver one in many right. ways. Now. We saw his yeah. value bounce back immediately. So there's a risk there when you're playing it from a, from a dynasty standpoint. But I mean, if you look at this situation and, and you think that year long suspension is coming, then I would, I would wait to buy. I'm, I'm glad you talked about league formats and you talked about the, the super flex. I mean, I'm only in one, one quarterback league and every year I bring it up for a vote. Let's try to transition it. And I've successfully yeah. done that in two of my leagues where we've, you know, done a nice two-year transition from one quarterback to, to a super flex. Um, you know, I know we're always trying to find things out. And I, I did a league where it's actually either the triple flex or the super duper flex where you try to get two quarterbacks plus. I play in two quarterback leagues. I mean, 
we want points. You know, that's the exciting part when it comes to fantasy football. I mean, what are some new formats or maybe some out there formats? Or do you see this even going a little bit further? further? I mean, you know, we started with PPR. That was something that was like transition. Then, you know, we obviously did tight end premium. I mean, what are some other things out there that you're starting to see? We're always looking for that. I know you're an innovator when it comes to those kind of new leagues. I mean, is there some things that that are out there that, you know, some of our listeners should be thinking about? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll see those things continue to grow. And I mean, we're kind of in the weeds with it. So um, like I said, for us, it, it feels like uh, Superflex is is the norm and the standard. It's really not. You know, the majority of leagues are still one quarterback leagues. So uh, I would expect that still to grow. And, and all of those things that we think about tight end premium, uh, points per first down, points per carry, I think all of those things continue to slowly grow. Um, one thing that I've always pushed, I actually saw Rich Rebar talking about this recently on Twitter, is uh, basically positionless uh, fantasy football, right? You've got your one quarterback or you can have two quarterback spots if you want, but beyond that, it's wide open. So you're starting you're starting 10 players. If you want to start two quarterbacks and eight running backs, go for it. Uh, if you've got that tight end premium and you're you're stocking up on those guys that are getting two points for every catch, two quarterbacks, you know, five tight ends and and a running back or a wide receiver, whatever, whatever that uh, grouping looks like. But um, some of my league, my leagues are not quite that going that far. We require one of each position, you know, one of, one of the four and then flex from flex spots from there to get up to 10 or, or 11 starters. Uh, but I, I would love to see more leagues like that. John, you are up, my man. Yeah, so you've been you've been you've been killing it so far <laughs> with the impressions. But speaking of impressions, you know, Mung was talking about this, and I feel like you know, episode thirty nine of the Smash Except podcast is going to be we're going to get the Morgan Freeman app, and he's going to read one of Mung's articles. We're just going to let Morgan Freeman. Oh, I love that idea. Thing. Yeah, well, I'm also going to request that, that we get a meme going with. Ryan and Juju out on the boat in the boat scene. <laughs> so we'll see if we we'll, we'll see if we can work on that. We get someone to help us out with that. Oh man! But um, so Ryan, we're going to transition into rookies right now. Yeah. Every everyone calls me Rookie Fever John this time of year. Uh, so the quote is this: "I respect those that tell the truth, no matter how hard it is." So Ryan, what we're seeing right now, and you've seen it a lot, especially out on Twitter. There's takes mm -hmm. getting thrown around left, right, and center with this rookie class. We got pro days going. Which rookies are you higher on than the consensus? What's the real truth for the Godfather? And, and may I just say, I, I would definitely recommend the, the DLF rookie guide. I've gone through is over 100 pages. That's kind of where I'm basing a lot of my truth right now. But let's hear it from uh, straight from the Godfather here. You know, so I've I've kind of found myself almost ignoring what we saw in 2020 as far as the college football season. Um, mm -hmm. There was just so much inconsistency for each team, uh, for college football as a whole. Um, you know, some, some teams basically got in a full season. Some only played a handful of games and we had players opting in, opting out, opting back in. It was, it was just the wild, wild west out there. So I've almost, uh, like I said, just kind of, come to to pretty much ignore what we saw that season 
and this most recent season. And, and really that has led me to looking back at not the player's most recent season, but the player's best season. Um, and there's, there's a, a, a few wide receivers that stand out because of that. Rondell Moore is one of them. I've got him as my sixth ranked rookie overall, gladly taking him in the middle of the first round uh, and, and not worried about, you know, the, the height. And that was of course the big, uh, the big talk of of Twitter recently was was how he he measured in, and that I mean that shouldn't be a surprise, right? We knew we knew this was coming, um, so to to drop him because of that, to really to even reevaluate uh, his his dynasty stock or his NFL draft stock because of that, I think is um, probably the wrong way to go. So he's still my sixth ranked rookie at DLF. He is the ninth overall rookie in our uh, rookie rank. So uh, I'm the highest one on him. A couple of other guys, uh, just a little bit lower on that uh, early second round range, Seth Williams and Tylen Wallace. Those uh, those players are 12 and 13 overall for me. They're more like mid second rounders, according to our overall rankings. And, and again, it just goes back to um, what they did earlier in their college career and, and expecting that to translate. Yeah, right. I, love that. I, I did. I was just going to jump in here, Mike. You, you'll, you guys will love this, actually. I looked it up. Al Pacino was actually five foot seven. So I, I think we can agree. You know, Al Pacino, the godfather, very successful as Michael Corleone. There's no reason to believe that Rondell Moore at five seven can also be successful, especially when you can jump a 42 and a half inch vertical and run a four two nine. And I've been saying, I think he's pound for pound the best athlete in coming into this draft. And I, again, like you said, he just completely destroyed it his freshman season. And, you know, he, he's apparently still the same height as far as I know that he, that he was that freshman year. <laughs> I think so. It, it is funny. I mean, seeing, attractive. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing the numbers that came out of, out of his pro day, um, the, the 40 and, and the vert, and the one where the one we really want to talk about is this height. Uh, I don't know. Just, just crazy to me. I, you know, five years ago, I would have dropped him down my ranks. I would have, I mean, you know, I probably wouldn't have even had him on my board, uh, but it's, it's just a different game at this point. And I think we have to, uh, as, as the NFL kind of transitions to making use of these smaller receivers more, I, I think we have to kind of accept that as well. Yeah, I mean, Angelo from Angelo Analysis came on last week and he was talking about that. You know, it's more about how you get open and how teams utilize you and and so much more of that. I mean, we're so, you know, it's almost a little antiquated talking about that six foot four alpha wide receiver who we have to have. I mean, guys win in different ways. And, and, uh, you know, that's what we've seen from Rondell Moore. I like the fact that you were talking about you take their best season. I mean, we've had a lot of really, you know, rookie analysts come on. And, you know, I, I feel like this is just, uncharted territory with where we're at you know we we had that shortened season and we're trying to figure out where to do things and I mean guys like Jamar Chase I mean we haven't seen him for for quite some time now I mean he was absolutely dominant um and now we're looking at you know no combine we have pro day results in that based off of that you know we we talk about the the famous scene here where you know we have the the gunshots and he goes leave the gun and take the cannoli Who's the guy that, you know, through some of these pro days and some some sleepers that you guys have or some other guys based off of what you're seeing from tape, based off what you're seeing from ADP that we're almost leaving for dead? Yeah, you know, and I haven't honestly been uh, I haven't been putting a lot of stock into the the pro days just for some of the same reasons 
that we traditionally would not. Um, so, so again, kind of like I said, with, with the entire college season, I'm just kind of going with the flow here. We don't have a combine. Okay. Let's, let's just do our best to evaluate these guys. And I mean, I, I take that information that we get from pro days, but I'm, I'm not necessarily accepting it all as, as fact, but in, in general, a couple of players that I'm seeing in that first round range, uh, early second round range that um, I, I'm a little more hesitant on. I probably won't get too many shares. Uh, Kenny Gainwell and uh, Kadarius Tony. Just, just some some concerns about how, how they will transition to the NFL, and especially with with Gainwell, what his role is going to be. Yeah, Kadarius Tony seems to be a guy that you know is very polarizing. I mean, we see NFL drafts and and potential mocks having him go in the first round, and you know you're just echoing what a, a lot of our other guests have said, where he's a guy that they're trying to you know avoid. What do you see in the tape that ha- that has you where? You know, we're kind of pushing him back a little bit. I mean, the size is is another concern with him. Not uh, not the height as much, but just just the frame. Uh, a little bit more of a one you know one hit wonder. I think we always have to be careful of those guys, especially when they're getting this potentially first round draft capital. You know, like you said, we're we're seeing Kadarius Tony mocked as maybe a late first rounder. Um, if that's the range, then he's we're going to see him move up dynasty rookie ranks and and rookie drafts as well that's where i'm you know that's where i have some concerns if you tell me he's a late second rounder then sure i'm in and and i'm fine with that both in the nfl draft and in in rookie drafts so it's it's really just more with both of those guys uh, more of a value question at this point i love it you know ryan i gotta thank you so much for coming on um i'm gonna let Either you guys have any questions that weren't on the sheet that you guys want to get out there because, you know, we're all a big fan of all the work that you do. You know, we really appreciate everything you do with the community from from what you do at DLF to the Scott Fishbowl to pretty much everything. I mean, you know, you're you're someone that we highly respect in this community. Um, I'm going to turn it over to both of you guys if you have any questions or anything that you guys are working on. Yeah, Ryan, I just wanted to get your thoughts on Mac Jones because I'm seeing a lot of love in some areas and a lot of hate in others. And personally, I think I'm more on the love side because the lack of mobility doesn't concern me quite as much. And obviously, you know, we love that, uh, you know, the Konami code quarterbacks who get you all that rushing production. But at the same time, you know, we've seen quarterbacks who don't run nearly as much still do quite well in fantasy. And one of the comps that I like for Jones is something akin to a Kirk Cousins type. So I just want to see what you think about Mac Jones. Yeah, with all of these guys, I mean, first I would I would tell you and, and tell anybody, like, I'm I'm not a, a scout. I can't, like, it's just not in my skill set to, to sit down. I know you guys had, um, um, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, Angelo, Angelo on last yeah. week. I mean, he, like, he is one of the kings of this, you know, and, and I, I, I soak in his work because that's not, my strength. Um, but as far as, as far as Mac Jones, it, it all comes down to the value again for me. That's, that's kind of what I always go back to. Like it, it's a value question. And what I'm seeing with him is he he's potentially going to fall into the second round of super flex rookie drafts. And absolutely. I want him there. Um, is he going to give us anything on the ground? No, nothing. But if he's falling to the second round, we've seen it. Uh, in recent years, we saw it with Daniel Jones a couple of years ago. We we even saw it with Justin Herbert some last year. 
um, where he Josh was Allen. Like, Josh Allen. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the famous one that, um, you know, people just did not want to draft Josh Allen because everybody else was saying how bad of a passer he is, how, um, you know, he, he, um, He's just not going to successfully transition to the league. I mean, we laughed at the Bills for spending that pick on him. Same thing with with Daniel Jones. And, I mean, maybe maybe we were closer to right on that one. But regardless, when we see these first-round quarterbacks, especially when they're top 10, top 12 picks, we have to, we have to assign that value in uh, super flex rookie drafts as well. And if, if he's falling to the second round or even the late first round, honestly – I think that's a, a player I would be targeting. I like that. You know, another guy that we talked about last week with Angelo was Kyle Pitts, and Angelo is really big on Pitts. But my question for you is it does come back to value. The question yeah. that we're getting a lot from our listeners is, let's say you're in a tight end premium league, Ryan, you're on the clock. How high would you consider taking a guy like Pitts? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. Let's say like Lawrence and Fields are off the board. When do you – kind of see yourself if you're, if you're looking at guys like Najee Harris or Jamar Chase or an ETN, where does Pitts kind of factor in at a tight end premium league for you? Yeah, you're right. And, and I keep, I keep going back to it, but with Pitts, it is a value question because mm-hmm. I mean, ev- everybody loves Kyle Pitts, right? Everybody. Right. I haven't seen, honestly, I haven't seen one dynasty player or fantasy analyst or draft analyst who had anything negative to say about him. So from a dynasty standpoint, it's just, are you willing to spend that high pick on mm-hmm. him? Are you going to spend a mid first in a, right. in a, a, a one PPR league? Are you going to spend a top three, maybe top four pick in uh, a tight end premium league? Mm-hmm. I think that's what it would cost. Um, and then, you know, of course it depends if it's super flex or not, but if we're, if we're talking kind of that safe league format, it's, mm-hmm. it's super flex and tight end premium. Um, I'm probably not the one who's drafting Kyle Pitts. Okay. Uh, again, it, it depends on the premium. Those leagues are 1.5, uh, 1.5 PPR to me. That's not enough of a premium to really matter. Honestly, I play in some leagues that you have to start two tight ends, uh, or they are two PPR. And I think that's really where you start to see some separation between the tight ends and, and, and the receivers. So if it's that format, I'm moving them up. I may be, you know, maybe taking him four overall, I would say behind uh, the top couple quarterbacks. And I'm still a, a big Jamar Chase believer as well. So I would mm-hmm. have him in that top three range. Um, but yeah, if it's, if it's 1.5, if it's like a, a safe league, he's more of a, a mid first rounder for me. Thanks. That's very yeah, I mean, helpful. And- Angelo had him at, we did a one quarterback mock at the end of our draft and, and he, he took him at one Oh two. You know, right behind Najee Harris, which was you know, that's that's some high praise from a guy where what he does over there is he he kind of he at Angelo analysis, he has a rating scale and he says their potential, you know, upside. And last year, he, you know, the highest grade he has is Hall of Fame. And Jonathan Taylor was the only guy from last year's class, even though that class was phenomenal. He didn't have any in 2019. And this year, his only one that he had was Kyle Pitts. You know, so I mean, when guys like that say those things, I I jump in there. It's just that tricky part of you might not get that immediate production like you would have potentially with with Jonathan Taylor, right? But I guess I guess my concern with that is you know taking him as high as, as two. Like no matter if you're talking Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, if you want to go back to Gronk, 
in in almost any year you want to look at the at the NFL draft or or at dynasty rookie drafts, almost every single year you could trade the 102 for whoever the tight end one is. Like right yeah. now, you could easily <clears throat> trade the 102 for Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. Um, you could get either one of those guys with the 102. So if you're taking pits there, you're saying he's going to be more dominant than those guys. I mean, Travis Kelsey's been the tight end one, I believe, four straight years. So you're saying he's he's going to be better than that um, for a longer period. I, I just yeah. think that's a big risk. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing, too, is tight ends take a lot of time to develop. Even a Kyle Pitts is going to have to adjust to the NFL. And the question is, this time next year, could you get him for even less, potentially? I, you know, so it's an interesting thing to think about. I think I'm with you on this. I I might, if I was going to try to squeeze one more in, um, we've had a lot of great analysts come on, and we've talked a lot about the running backs. We had Garrett Price, who who's pushing Javante Williams. Is his top running back. We've had Matt Hicks come in and really talk up Najee Harris, and we've had others that say ETN. Have, is that shaken out for you at all? Or do, you, do you feel like you have a, a clear top running back one pre-draft? I mean, it's not Najee Harris for me, but I think mm-hmm. it's it's a conversation. Um, yeah. I think all all three kind of have, um, you know, kind of have a case that we could make for them, and. I saw, you know, take it for what it's worth this time of year, but I, I saw a rumor the other day that um, many teams do have Javante Williams as their mm-hmm. RB1 uh, on their board. So, I mean, we'll see how that shakes out. Yeah. I would be surprised if ultimately he he's the first running back drafted, but um, he's really made up ground on on those top two. We I think we originally thought of it as uh, Harris and Etienne and everybody else, and, and now it's kind of a big three at the running back spot. Thank you Thanks. so much, Ryan. Why don't you tell the listeners, you know, where they can find you again, some of the stuff that you have going on and, you know, it's been a pleasure. I wish we could talk all night, but I want to make sure we keep, keep an idea on your time because you're a super busy man. So thanks again. Yeah. Thanks for having me on guys. It was uh, it's always good to talk dynasty for sure. So um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan MC 23. You can find my work at dynasty league football. Uh, and like I said, we've got our, uh, Dynasty Draft Guide recently released. I've got a uh, a few articles in that, including an updated look at Productive Struggle. Thanks again for tuning into the Smash Except podcast and enjoy the process. Thanks, Ryan. That was.